Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today, we have Ansel on from Finch, and we'll be learning about the business case, or the use case for why his prospects and customers pick Finch. So let's just jump right into it. Ansel, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Finch? Yeah, and thanks for having me here, William. Really, uh, really excited to uh, talk about Finch with you and, uh, and share some of the exciting and interesting things that we've kind of discovered in our, in our journey. Um, so I'm, I'm Ansel Parikh, uh, one of the co-founders of Finch and, and COO, really focused on a lot of our fun partnerships, uh, go-to-market, but also the, uh, the wonderful world of compliance and, and, uh, and, <clears throat> and some of the operations side of things. Um, and so, so what Finch is, is we're an API platform for employment data. And what that means is that we let applications like a 401k provider benefits, um, compensation plan, products um, be able to securely and, and easily connect to their end clients' organization-wide employment data. Um, and so a lot of this information is kind of locked up in payroll systems, HR systems, benefit, things like that. And so right now, do we have a focus in terms of market or verticals or anything like that? Yeah. Size of company? Yeah, most definitely. So we, we kind of focus... Um, kind of three main areas and I'll, okay. I'll give you a quick picture there, but what, what we do and maybe just to make sure we iterate, iterate it's like we sell like, it's like a B to B to E like employers model. So we're not necessarily directly selling to employers themselves, but we'll sell to the, the trusted applications that they use that they want to talk to their source of truth. And so three kind of main verticals, if I had to like break them down, I can go into more details, but um, give you at least a sense or a picture like the first one is like HR tech, right? So that's employee engagement, recognition right. platforms. You're kind of uh, what you see at Charm or what you see at uh, HR tech as well. Um, and then the second kind of vertical is, is really specifically benefits. Uh, we do split this out differently because it is a complicated um, but exciting world. And so we are really working with 401k providers, HSA. There's even new companies that do climate-related benefits. It's actually like a pretty wild ecosystem, um, and we see a lot of opportunity there. Uh, and then the final one is more like B2B fintech companies. And so this could be like a workers' compensation insurance company um, or a business expense management uh, company that needs to utilize different layers of data from employment systems to underwrite policies or even automate a specific workflow that usually requires a, a bunch of like Excel file uploads. So definitely a wide, wide footprint uh, overall. There's like 28 discrete use cases, but I'm right. uh, happy to do the one or two that are actually maybe a little more important. Let's, let's, uh, let's do it. But first of all, let's, let me ask you about your origin story. Why did you and your partners, why did y'all start Finch? Yeah. I, I wish I could say we were born for this, you know, and something <laughs> <laughs> when I was 16, I had this idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely saw the the value of payroll and HR system. But um, it's. I mean, I think like most most people you talk to, it's pretty nonlinear. Um, I was in venture capital for a bunch of years before this, and I've right. invested in, in infrastructure. But ultimately, um, 
started our own thing. And so this is probably the fifth thing that Jeremy, uh, my co-founder and CEO, have built together. But maybe to the, the long short of it is we were um, right before COVID started, we'd been building something more in like lending infrastructure, really allowing a company to offer a lending product within their own right. experience. Pretty esoteric, pretty specific. You're probably seeing some trends here of these guys get into very strange, gnarly problems. But um, unfortunately, pandemic hit and every lending partner we had, every potential customer said, uh, hold on, I'm not doing anything right now. Right. I don't even know if I can make the next payroll. Right. So we had a really unique uh, lender come to us and said, hey, I lend to small businesses. Uh, and the government has this new program called the Paycheck Protection Program. This is literally aimed at how do I make sure that companies don't have to lay off people right away? They can get a non-recourse loan from the from a lender, uh, but that the government effectively gives you to keep people employed. And we thought that was pretty fascinating, unique, once in a kind of lifetime thing for us to see. And so they were like, "Hey, we need payroll data to figure out how much we can lend to someone." And naturally, as as uh, young entrepreneurs that um, don't know how to say no. We were like, yeah, totally. We'll, we'll solve that problem for sure. Uh, little did we know it's much more complicated. <laughs> system. Um, and, and, uh, we started and some just, of these systems don't talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we need to do like a, a SFTP or someone needs to send us an Excel file and we got to manually reformat it. So it was, um, I think it was just a, that was a kind of a linch point. We ultimately didn't move fast enough to even solve for that problem, but it got us thinking and iterating towards some sort of solution that could be utilized, not just for a limited government program, uh, but actually something much broader that, that helps at the end of the day, employers choose the applications and, and software that actually they need for their own business. So I hate software categories. I'll just put it my biases out on the table. <laughs> I despise them because uh, things like you, you defy a category singular, but you know, we also know that people have to, they have budgets that you, you, you at one point fall in some expel spreadsheet and you're a line item somewhere uh, uh, for finance or HR or ops or all of the above. What do you, what do you classify yourself as? And maybe even how do, how do your customers classify you? Yeah, it's a, uh... It's a good question. It's, you know, that's all the software teams are always trying to figure out how do I create create a new line item? Uh, And, and so I think for us, and I think it's, it's pretty unique in that like we are, uh, and it's where you position yourself, but for us, like we are like buyer is say it's, you know, you've got a big 401k provider and I just use that because that's one that's like a power user of us. Um, They have maybe a product manager that kind of handles the hey, when a new company signs up, I want to make sure their onboarding experience is super easy. I don't want them to have to go and give me an Excel file every week. I want them to be able to click a button and, and sync their data with me. Um, and so what's interesting or valuable about that is there's like two pieces of the, like call it value equation or where the budget comes from. One is like for them, they can go, oh, this helps me get like implementation times faster. I can onboard someone way faster. Um, and so for them, they view this as a, uh, like almost sales enablement tool, which is pretty interesting. Not something we expected when we first started. Um, oh, I love but, that. But the more like, uh, I think the the more like concrete one, right, is the, hey, look, we're going to save your engineers like months and months of work. And uh, if there's one thing that every company we talk to 
um, is short on, it's literally engineers like time and effort. And so for them, I think, especially building these integrations, it's just, even if you're an engineer, it's just not exciting work. Uh, we yeah. have a bunch of weirdly passionate people that like doing that, but I can tell you most people don't. Um, and so they really view it as a opportunity cost for engineering to work on something that is important to that end employer, that HR admin that wants to go, hey, I want to have more offerings of different plans, or I want to make sure that I can automate my employees that are eligible for this benefit to, to jump on immediately. I don't necessarily want to spend 14 hours a month syncing data with your system. Right. Uh, you need to get the latest and greatest information. So one of the pains and in integrations, at least historically, has been that you have, you have some some platforms that are closed or or, yeah. or for whatever reason uh, they they're uh, not documented or their APIs are, are just weak. Uh, and again, some of it might just be it's because it's older technology. Um, what have you run into, especially as it relates to some of the HR tech? Uh, applications that you've been interacting with, like what is that? What are what's shocking to you, uh, and what's you know what's what is you know giving you hope? Uh, and you don't have to name names. I don't really care about that. It's just you know the the API world is such a really interesting world that the practitioners don't really know much about and don't care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Nailing just, it. They just want it to work. They just want it to work. And, it, and you know, it used to be historically, it would be one vendor would look at another vendor and go, who's going to, are you going to pay for it? Are you going to pay for it? Are you going to pay for it? You know, I think we're past some of that ish, but I want to get your just take on just kind of HR and, and the, the integrations of these different disparate systems. Yeah, no, it's, um, I think there's like two pieces or key pieces of friction. I think there's like one component and this is like our goal right now is how do we bifurcate these two pieces so that um, you can create the right incentives. And so maybe the, the first piece that's like challenging is that, and again, not all the providers like say like ADP has figured this out and they make lots of money on it is that they said, hey, we're going to make a marketplace so that anyone that wants to integrate with us has to go through a marketplace process and effectively any employer that they have, they have over a million employers that they service in the, in the world. Uh, any of them that find that application, that marketplace, kind of like Apple, uh, the application then pays like a, a nice chunk of rev share to them, but ADP gets a lot of money and that application can access a, a larger group of end customers. And so the, the problem with some of those is just, is that the, that process just getting on, the going through the, all the hoops, especially for a large organization, mm -hmm. it can take like six months to a year. And so that like by itself is a, wait, I got to do this for every single system in the best case scenario. That's, that's painful. But then the second component is the technical part. And that's where we're really kind of focusing is like, Hey, even if you can get through that whole process in a, in a week, right. um, you look at it, go out and build and integrate integration with that specific system. And they always have these unique incompatibilities across systems. So you kind of have to, the minute you decide to go, hey, I'm gonna do this all in-house, you gotta figure out like some sort of normalized way to patch all the different ways that like some people call it start date and they call it something else in a different system. Like yeah. there's so many like weird inconsistencies, I think for us, we were like- what One would say a lack of standards. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Like oddly, like I'm I'm on the board of HR Open Standards and organizations been around yeah, like of course. years, and it is 
still like we talk about it every month and we're like, oh my goodness, there's like a standard for benefits data. There's one for like insurance data. You're like, there is, there is. There's a reason we have an Android charger and an iPhone charger. That's right. <laughs> you, at one point, you'd like to think that the two, two of them come together and go, eh, let's just build this other one and then just make it universal. Not as easy as that, especially yeah. with some of the larger companies. I think the, I think the smaller, maybe even the newer companies would probably be up for that. Right. Yeah. But it, the older, more established players in the industry are probably kind of set in their ways. Yeah. The incentive isn't there. Like you, you that's really, right. That's a good point. You, know, they, you need the, you need the end employers, right? You gotta, we have to eventually get the HR people to kind of go, Hey, we all need you all to work together on this because otherwise like we're not going to pick using anyone that doesn't use a standard. And that, that takes a lot of cultivation and really understanding what is the priorities for, for that HR person at the end level going, this is how I should be spending my time. And so it'll take time to get there. It's uh, a lot of education and not everyone even knows how to spell API. So that's a whole different <laughs> transition, but it's one that um, we, we kind of see, we are pretty hopeful. We are definitely surprised um, at how, how much the conversation has changed over the last call it four to five years around just like the openness of data and understanding like the, the leverage points there. So there is like, I think half the providers are, you know, the, the payroll systems, HR systems that we talked to, like, they're like, hey, we're actually re-evaluating our entire data strategy. We'd love to find a way to do this with you. And so I think there is, there's definitely a light at the end of the tunnel. It's tunnel might just be a bit longer than, right. than hope, but that's yep. a, there's a light. Know. It could, it could be a train, but there's a lot. <laughs> the train of innovation. Hopefully. It's a train of innovation. That's exactly, we're going to be run over by a train of innovation. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is uh, when, when folks talk about native inter- integrations versus uh, things like uh, things that do one to many like Zapier or, or other, other applications like that, or MuleSoft or, or something like that. Um, how do you, how do you kind of, again, I, again, for the practitioners that are listening, both HR and TA, they might not know as much about APIs. They, they, they know about data and data needs to flow fluidly between application and application. So from sourcing all the way across to outplacement, it doesn't always work that way, of course, but they know it should work that way. Um, but, but I don't think if, if, I were to, if I were to quiz most practitioners and say, okay, what's a native integration? What does that look like? For, they probably wouldn't know, have no idea what that, that is. So what's, Kind of what's your take when you look at the market on you know the kind of native integrations with with different systems so like Workday or Ceridian or ADP or whatever versus using you know, someone that's already built libraries and they've already built the connection points? Yeah, that's a good question. I think, and this is like a, a, a thing that we think about a lot, and so it's actually like very on point. Um, I think if you're going to do native integrations, usually like the the reasoning why we see a lot of companies maybe go down that route as if they need a really specific set of data that's maybe not accessible to even all systems. Um, like maybe a good example is uh, if you're a performance management system like Lattice, right? Um, for them, like, yeah, it'd be great to have census data and some kind of, hey, who, who works where, but they want to get like very granular. So anything that you put into 
that system that may include like, how much is this bonus person's bonus target? What is like, do you have custom fields that say this is their OKRs? There's like a bunch of extra places you can toss data into these systems that again, it depends on the employer, it depends on the system. And so if you're really trying to go, hey, I need to capture every single edge case and I'm gonna make my own system super configurable because the experience is gonna be very different for every single employer, that's where you kind of need to go native because you're probably even need to go to the provider and say, Hey, uh, you don't actually allow access to this data. I need you to build that for my use case. And frankly, obviously as the middleman, like we're not, we don't have, we have some of that power, but that takes some time. Um, whereas if you're going, Hey, look, I, I need to get people's t-shirt sizes. I need to get like all this extra stuff. Um, and I need to maybe make changes into those systems. So maybe really sensitive changes, like, I need to change someone's compensation. Like that shouldn't necessarily be something you should be doing through a middleman. Cause if there's an error that impacts right. on life. Oh um, yeah. So. Yeah. So you can mess up a lot of things in HR, uh, succession planning, performance, uh, onboarding, you can mess up. I mean, I would, you know, it's just wildly accepted that you can mess up almost yeah. every paychecks. Nope. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Can't mess up a paycheck. Not, not even once. And so uh, everyone's, everyone's, you know, there's a tenseness to that. Let me ask you about the, the buy side for a second. Uh, questions that you, that, that, that you know, pra- the practitioners and prospects and or prospects, what are they, what they, sh- what should they be asking you at Finch? Yeah. I think one of the things they should ask more, and we, we have been asking, but it's one of those things that's pretty counterintuitive is like how many, like, based off of my maybe customer base or where I'm, maybe I'm targeting specific sector, industry, geography, like how many systems do I need to actually integrate with? Um, I think- Oh, that's a great question. There's, we did a full white paper on this just because uh, I I wanted to know personally and I got, I was astounded. There's 5,700 different payroll and HR systems in the US. I have no idea why. Like I- Oh yeah. No, it, it doesn't shock me. I actually, I would uh, prior prior to COVID, I was obviously I'd spent a lot of time on the speaking tour, and uh, I would ask people, you know, from the stage, like, how many HR products, HR and recruiting products, do you think there are in the world? And you know, people would, and you know, like, people would answer different answers. I'm like, yeah, I have a Google spreadsheet that has, you know, thirty two thousand. hr and recruiting products in the world and that's like little things from a wellness play or wellness app in portugal to you know oracle or something like that like there's it's combine all the oceans and that's what you get you have that many choices which is great (laughs) and uh, also terrifying for the practitioners it's i mean it's overwhelming right it is overwhelming Entire industry is built around just helping you pick the right tools because yeah, possible yeah. you know. And so I think that's like maybe that's like the number one is just people don't realize it until they start working with us and they're like, "Well, I need forty integrations." And I'm like, "Yeah, like that. That's this is actually it's the the long tail. It's pretty wild in that I think the top ten only cover around fifty five percent of mm-hmm. the U.S. employers, and then you have this like." companies you've never heard of like big fish payroll, which yep. actually got acquired by iSoft. Uh, but like, there's just this huge, huge um, long tail. So I think that's like number one. And maybe the second one is more just understanding, like um, where does this fit into my product? Where does, where should I be surfacing like the request to sync data 
that will make the person um, gain the most trust in me and and want to do that because it, there is like a you need to make sure that like the first thing you do you can't necessarily ask for hey I need your sensitive data like that's a like that can be really <laughs> awkward. Um, how but, old are you and how much do you weigh? What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, and so I think you need to be really thoughtful about when do you ask for this so right. that there's highest likelihood that someone's going to do it, but also that you're creating that like seamless steps of trust. Cause that's like, ultimately like, that's really what we're selling. We're not selling the like, yeah, sure, it's like data infrastructure, all these buzzwords, but like at the end of the day, it's, it's trust. Like, can we create a system that is more secure and compliant, but that allows someone to feel comfortable going I'm okay sharing specific sets of information with someone that I trust um, that can use it to make my life better. You know, what's interesting is uh, HR and recruiting both want to make more data-driven decisions throughout the organization, pretty much mm -hmm. everywhere. And, but ironically, they don't trust their data. Right. Or maybe not ironically, <laughs> maybe with good reason. We'll put that aside for another podcast. Sure. But <laughs> but it's it's really interesting when I talk to folks like uh, about this. I'm like, well, we you know in recruiting we, we need to make more data driven decisions about this, that, the other, whatever the bit is, and and it's like, yeah, but I don't trust our ATS. <laughs> it's like, okay, well, you, you realize what you've just said, right? <laughs> you understand you need to make more of these types of decisions, yet you don't trust the data. And I, I know you deal with this. I know on some level, I know you interact with this, uh, that they, they realize the importance of all these things being connected and how it will inform them uh, in, in, uh, in ways that we probably can't even connect the dots yet. But they also don't trust the data, just the historical data that they have. Yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. We, uh, I have like stories of <laughs> companies that have like, hey, we put this data; it doesn't look right, and then we'll go back to the employer and say, hey, did you like accidentally mislabel this? And they're like, oh yeah, we totally <laughs> did. And I'm like, oh shoot, like if we filed this, this would be a like fee from the IRS. Like we, we got to make sure this is right. And so there's definitely some components of that. I do think what's exciting and maybe to like, I know that we only have a few minutes, but sure. to, is that like, because we're more trying to be the data layer, what's cool is we're starting to see platforms built on top of us, like that do compensation management to help oh, cool. and things like that. Um, and so I think what's, what is happening or what will happen over the next couple of years is the way you kind of, improve that trust is you layer something on top that speaks the language of that HR um, right. person, that people opposites goes, Hey, like, here's really what retention means. And I know what you're trying to act out, get out of this in terms of activity. Um, and I think that's the thing is right now, if you have just a bunch of data scientists, like cranking through this stuff, they're going to present and, and the data might be right. But if you put it in a way that just, um, it's just a dashboard of numbers, um, right. no attached to it or like right. recommendations yeah i wouldn't trust that either because i'm like all right what does this all mean i need context and i think that's the next kind of wave that will 100 and that's going to be exciting because then we can start treat entire organizations as like groups of individuals and you can start to really understand um down to the team level down to the 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 manager level like what what are the levers to make a better workforce um and make people more aligned Ansel drops my walks off stage. Thank you so much. I uh, love the work that you're doing. Love the, I love what Finch is doing. And uh, just thank you for the time.
No, I appreciate you having me and uh, letting me just brag about the the team and the fun fun stuff that we do in this weird esoteric world. <laughs> well, if you're not doing it, who who is doing it? So thank you for doing it. Uh, and thanks for being on the podcast. And thank you so much, William. Have a, have a good day. All right. You too. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.